We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together, and we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I'm James Hamby, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. What's going on, Sean? James, Brendan. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Hope you have uh, not experienced too much storm damage. I'm not liking it, as usual, but I uh, hope everyone's being safe out there because the state of California is a mess. We are not built for this. We will rebuild. <laughs> we, will, we will rebuild. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. I built an arc up here. Uh, yeah. Okay, and of course we have Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, how are you? Doing good. Uh, been very busy dealing with a bunch of storm damage things, but I guess oh, that's yeah? what it is. What happened? Not myself personally. Um, my day job is property management, and people just have their places totally messed up. So just been flooded with all that stuff recently. Is all, but glad to pun, in, you know, pun intended. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there it is. But glad to talk some Kings basketball. There we go. Um, we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, it's been a, a kind of a crazy. We last reconvened what on Thursday, and since then um, the Kings lost a bad game, won a solid game, made some roster moves, uh, added more questions to the rotation. Um, there's plenty to, for us to jabber about here today. But um, before we but, get to that, yeah, <laughs> I have to I have a follow up for Brendan. Oh no. Because of his phone calls keep coming in. I, I wonder because, you know, this is like qualifies as like act of God stuff. Like when trees fall down and um, property gets damaged and there's flooding. Do people call you and just curse you out like you're some telemarketer or some bill collector? Like as if it's your fault? Or do they go, hey, we're having problem? Like they're nice about it? Like like run me through your, your typical scenario. It's more of the latter, but... I think it's something like 300 doors that we have. And I swear you hear from like the same 20 people. So if it's one of those 20 people, it's probably the first thing that you mentioned that they're just generally not the most pleasant people to deal with. 
Um, but more often than not, it's the latter. It's, hey, our, our fence has just fell down and I have to nicely tell them, listen, somebody else has a tree through their building. This isn't necessarily an emergency right now. We're going to get on it, but it's But my dog is going to get out if you don't build this fence. Yeah. The dog well, that they're not supposed to have, Sean. That's yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Oh, okay. I get it now. Hey, let I me check your lease and make sure you're allowed to have a dog there. Oh, wait, click. Yep. Right. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. But my uh, meth farm has just completely been... That's right. Right. Are you, are we sharing the profits or what's going on here? <laughs> tell me, yeah, tell me when you guys are dropping by so the 17 extra people that live in the apartment won't be here that day. Very yeah. accurate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we we can move on to Kings now. I'm sorry to disrupt everything. <laughs> I was just really concerned about cuz like I had a neighbor who lives in Land Park area, uh shout out Michael Liang who who uh he, I don't even think he knows what a podcast is, but his his tree took out his neighbor's car and he actually said sorry uh she's pissed obviously but it's like he he and i said wait what did you do all you did was have the tree meanwhile like stuff that he was telling me like when there was a power line that caught fire because it came down and you know he hears all this popping sound and the and this power line is down in in her yard and all this stuff not that that's her fault but like in the grand scheme of thing that could have burned down but it's again, it's just act of God stuff. If well, God that and whatever. his power got shut off because her power got shut off. <laughs> right. so, so yeah, like hey, huh. why do you got to do that with the power line? Like yeah, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's rough. Trees falling Sorry, seems to be one of the biggest issues right now. Here's yeah. how we can bring it back to Kings though, is because Chemezi Metu blames the power outage for Harrison <laughs> Barnes going off for a season high thirty points. So that's true. He did. He said we're gonna make sure that Harrison's power stays off. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's dark. pretty that's not very nice. It's not very nice because uh Harrison Barnes can go to the practice facility and shower and, and do all that stuff. Uh his wife and baby, they, they don't have that luxury, so they're sitting at home in the dark. A lot of the time. So, damn you, Chimazi Metu. That's not the way these things work. Um, okay, so let's get to it. Um, if you're watching on YouTube and you don't mind, yeah. please give us a thumbs up. That helps with some sort of algorithm that uh, is ruining the world. Um, and How are we doing if, on our thumbs up? Do we get enough? Sean, you told pretty... people to do it twice. We're not getting enough. Oh, well, that takes so... away the one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think we do. I think we do pretty well. Like 150, 200 thumbs ups, and especially the live shows we do around that. Uh, most shows, we're, I think we're over 100 thumbs up. We might, and that's we might pretty be, good. We might be getting more thumbs up than like Sabonis and Fox get all star votes. Oh, ouch! See, hey oh. <laughs> uh, okay, so again, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. If you're listening somewhere else. Uh, we would love it if you gave us gave us a rating and review, uh, especially with like Apple. That always helps the algorithm there as well. Um, mm. Thank you for supporting the King's Beat. We've actually been growing a ton, and it's been a lot of fun. And uh, the pod just keeps getting more and more popular, and we appreciate all the people out there. Um, and you know, it's it's a labor of love we do here. It's it's a lot of work that we we try to accomplish every week, and we thank you guys for jumping on board with us. Uh, we will have an author record with the King's Beat virtual happy hour. Probably in the third week of the month. Um, still working on that, uh, so no announcement yet, but there will be one this month for sure. Um, and outside of that, uh, Sacramento Kings started off the the homestand a little shaky. 
uh, 0-2 losses to the Atlanta Hawks and the Los Angeles Lakers. We covered the Hawks loss, I believe, on the last podcast. Um, but the the loss to the Lakers, where are you guys at with that? Because that was one of the strangest games I've seen where, you know, not only was the um, the defense was, like, the worst defense I've ever seen this this Kings team play. I mean, they allowed a, an opponent to shoot 61% from the field, and they didn't even make a three-pointer in the second half. But where are we at with the Lakers' loss before we get to some of the positive things this week? It was gross. Um, <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> it, 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 it really disappointed me, to be honest. Like, especially after the Charlotte and Washington losses, like, this is a third example of this team seemingly overlooking an opponent, or maybe it's more so that their defense is just lack of defense more so is catching up to them. Like to give up 136 points to this team when you're talking about 56 of those coming between Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder, like obviously LeBron is his own beast, but James mentioned nobody hit a three in that second half. And it seems like they started to overreact the, Points in the paint were ridiculous in that game, and that was something that Mike Brown highlighted and also highlighted in a more positive fashion in their most recent win over... Why am I already drawing a blank? Um, who None did they just play? Who they played yesterday. Orlando Magic. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so I, I just thought that it was, it was pretty disappointing. You know, we've seen moments of positive progress on the defensive end of the floor, but this was just an example of their defense is still bad enough that they can lose on any given night in my mind because it is still LeBron James and I understand you have to acknowledge that but this Lakers team has not been very good and I, I was I was pretty disappointed by that performance and, and happy they were able to bounce back but the Lakers night was a pretty tough one for me yeah I think uh I don't know how to look at that game precisely because there's a there's a thought there where I think the Kings really are going through it in a way, you know, trying to find themselves. They There's a blueprint. Beat this team back door, beat them up in the paint, mix in some physicality, and uh, you're you're going to struggle. And really capitalize in the moments where Demonis Sabonis is not on the floor because that is the, the door being open, so to speak. And uh, they bust right through it. You know, you don't need to beat this team from the perimeter. You, you can just really take it inside, get to the free throw line, beat them up, get people in foul trouble, and – the backdoor stuff and the, the everything in the paint, it's like the you cracked the code right there. And they really struggle with teams with length and physicality. It's not this year's team either. I mean, it's it's kind of like the way they match up against the Bucks historically. It's like, man, I feel like they'd lose to the Bucks nine out of ten times every t- you know if, if they were to play them. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, they're they're. I think what happened though, I think it was a good thing because even though there's not a lot of practice time. Uh, Mike Brown came out and ripped his team, held him accountable. Um, and I think it really started in the game uh, before that with the Hawks when Malik Monk uh, is talking about how, you know, they can flip a switch after Atlanta goes on this 7-0 run. You go on an 11-2 run, and then you get comfortable. Oh, we're good. We're good. And it's no. They smacked you right in the mouth and stole that game. And so <clears throat> I think they had a lot of things that they needed to to kind of shore up and and – I'm not saying that they did it, but nothing like a good old-fashioned slump buster to get right. And, you know, you you, you get uh, the Orlando Magic in town, and, yeah, they're fresh off a win against uh, Golden State, who, by the way, is one of the toughest. I mean, I don't care what this Golden State team looks like with or without Steph Curry. 
even without Steph Curry, they've kind of held onto the rope at home. I mean, they're really, really good at home, and the Orlando Magic went in there and beat them. So with the Magic in town, with the top rookie in that draft, and uh, you got Keegan Murray, you know, kind of coming off maybe his, if not his worst game, one of his worst games, uh, his coach kind of, you know, grilling him about not being able to get a rebound and um, not showing effort to get a rebound, and, you know, defensively this team is a mess. They came out and they took care of business. They... I keep like I keep liking to say that like it or not your identity is this fast paced efficient scoring team and that was probably the best they've looked on offense all season. So uh defensively though there was some moments I I I was questioning myself wondering is this just really is this some good defense or is this poor shot selection is Orlando just kind of shit in the bed for lack of a better term. Um I don't know. I guess that remains to be seen with with a team like Houston coming in here on Wednesday and Friday. And they've only got what four wins on the road this season. So, and they're just ten wins in, in the on the season alone. So, uh, yeah, these are these get right games, and hopefully they can build that equity we talk about. I also know, by the way, not to ramble too much, James. <laughs> how bad was that Lakers game? I knew it was bad because that was the most vocal James has been. I sit right next to him at games, and some of us are just looking over at him. I'm like, dude, do you got money on this game? <laughs> he was so pissed off. <laughs> yeah. It's really tough. I, I'm watching like what's happening there with in the Lakers game, and and you know the worst part is they lose by three, right? Two or three? One thirty six, one thirty four. I think three, it's I two. believe, right? Oh, two. One thirty six, one thirty four. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So you you talked about breaking the code with the Kings, and, and I fully agree with that. I mean the. The way you beat the Kings is the second that Demonis Sabonis steps off the floor, you eliminate any lead and you build your own, right? So that's what every team in the league seems to be doing. And then if you can figure out a way to get Demonis Sabonis off the floor for more time, which really doesn't seem that difficult, that just means that you bum rush the guards and the forwards who get out of the way and leave Sabonis standing there all alone in the middle of the key ready to pick up a foul. And then he's out of the game. It doesn't seem like it's that hard, like if you're a, a, an opponent, to to figure out how to beat this team. And so they have to figure out ways to stop that, how to how to not let, you know, Sabonis get stuck on an island. And I, I don't know what the best way to do that is because a lot of it isn't just one-on-one play. So when I'm watching this team, I'm not watching just like a ton of blow-bys. That's not what I, I feel like. I, like, I don't think Kevin Herter just gets you know, run by and scored on all day long. And I, I watch De'Aaron Fox and people who don't don't think he's playing defense. That dude's playing defense. There, there are occasions where he, he kind of like, he hedges his bet with somebody and then they can get by him. But I don't think like individual defense is an issue with him. You know, if we're talking about like where he's at in the upper echelon of NBA point guards, he's not at the top, but he's also nowhere near the bottom. And then I think about that with almost every position on the floor and it's it's not that they're playing poor individual defense. It's that they're playing really bad team defense. Communication doesn't sound seem great. The weak side help is god-awful. It's absolutely atrocious. Um, every single time you're watching Sabonis all by himself down there, and where is that other help defender coming from the weak side? And then when that happens, someone else rotates to go get that guy if somehow there's a spray three. But I, I really feel like... like they're just not buying in 100% to the concept. Or in Keegan Murray's 
case, I just don't think he's experienced enough. Like, he doesn't know how to play the defensive scheme that they're trying to do, and he's out there for 30 minutes a night, and he's getting clubbed. Um, and then, you know, I, I think, like, just watching that and trying to figure that whole situation out, like, this is a bad defensive team. They, and they're not bad for, like, a couple of games. No, no. They're bad it for, like, the last terrible. 15 or 20. Terrible. Oh, yeah, terrible. Like yeah, yeah. Terrible, yeah. Well, like yeah, Brown but terrible. they were up around, like, their defensive rating was around 112. And now it's back down to, like, 114.6. Like, they have faded so hard in the last two, three weeks. It's, it's horrific. I, I think their defensive rating for, like, the last five games coming into last night was, like, 121. It's something, like just absolutely ridiculously horrible. And that's a team that's just not paying attention and not doing what they have to do. Um, and, you know, even like we, we talk about like the defensive woe, I mean, the defensive rebounding woes, right? This is still like the second or third best defensive rebounding team in the league. You just can't have nights where guys like Keegan just don't get a rebound. And what, Sean and I were watching, we, we went back and we looked and see when the last time was Keegan Murray had a rebound and he had got one rebound in the fourth quarter of the Atlanta game. Then he went four quarters against the Lakers without a rebound. Then he went almost two quarters uh, in in the game against Orlando without a rebound. And there were times where, Sean, like we were sitting there looking at each other like, it's like he avoids rebounding. It's allergic. I, I don't know what to say. He He's allergic, but there are balls that bounce to him, and he watches, and people run right by him and take him. And I'm always shocked. I like I don't want to be too harsh on a rookie because he is learning. But at the same time, I can't believe like Brennan. Is that the first time you've seen a coach call out a player? I know it's the first time we've seen Mike Brown, but even last year, like specifically call out an individual player and say you weren't good enough. That's not okay. He basically called him the Coke machine. The the Derek Williams. Uh, you got to explain that. Yeah, that's George Carl. Um, during his his brief tenure in Sacramento, uh, looked at the box score in post game and said, "Even a Coke machine can get more than one rebound in uh, in thirty minutes of play." So and the modern was, version is Manny the mannequin, J. Manny the mannequin, exactly. Oh. <laughs> that is a modern version. Even Manny the mannequin would have got more than zero rebounds in twenty nine minutes of action. Well, what, what was crazy? I know you asked Brandon, but like you see Malik Monk just going after the ball. He had six boards, I think five or six boards, I think, in the first half alone. Yeah. You know, and, and Keegan's running away from it. And that's what I think is really frustrating, especially when you just ISO him and watch how he plays. And I know, you know, if anyone makes the oh, he rebounded so well in college First of all, who gives a shit? Secondly, it's a different system. Um, it, it, you know, he's he's obviously one of the best players on his team. He's if not the best player on his team at the time. Um, you know, it's 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 so much different. It's not a comparison. It's not even to show that he's capable of doing it. It's maybe he's playing closer to the basket than he does in Sacramento, which is obvious. But he doesn't have a knack to to go and get it yet, and that has to be learned. Well, Brennan. and look at what Trey Lyles has been doing recently. In the last 10 games, Trey Lyles is second on the team in rebounding, and he's playing less than 17 minutes a night. Domas is obviously first. Last yeah. 10 games, 13.4. Second is Trey Lyles with 5.3. You have to go down to sixth to reach Keegan Murray, who's playing more than 12 minutes more than what Lyles is and getting 3.4 boards compared to Keegan's five or compared to Lyles's uh, 5.3 in the last 10 games alone. Like, I think that is the first time uh, I might be forgetting something from Luke or Alvin, but to me, uh, 
from what I remember, I think that is the first time I've heard it so blatantly called out like that. And it kind of surprised me, to be honest, because I thought that Keegan made a lot of progress defensively in that Lakers game. I, I thought that he drew at least one charge. There might have been another. Um, Two charges where he took it in the chops against LeBron James. And Coach he, has really yeah. been emphasizing rotating early and protecting the rim and how important that low man is at protecting the rim. And I think that Keegan has really struggled with that throughout the course of this season, which is to be expected. He's a rookie. I think adjusting to the speed of the game and reacting fast enough is a normal adjustment for a rookie. But I thought that he made a lot of progress in that game. So it really surprised me for Coach to come out and call him out in the way that he did. Um, but honestly, I didn't even realize that he didn't grab a single board. Maybe that's just me overlooking uh, the box score and I, I should have recognized it's something that coach had talked about previously of Keegan if somebody asked me what do you do good outside of shooting what should my answer be and it was kind of unsure and I, I think that we're still somewhat at that point but it, it did surprise me a bit considering that I thought that Keegan had such a improved defensive game in that Lakers showing even if the team overall was pretty underwhelming in that aspect. I thought that if they would have won that game, that there was a possibility for Keegan to be the defensive player of the game. Uh, Brendan clearly has got to run to his front door, which is okay because let's be Pizza's honest, here. there there are a <laughs> lot of weird things happening right now in the world, and so well, it's yeah. people show up at your front door all the time. Um, but uh, I got a glare like, in my I, eye. Oh, got it, got I it. Saw that. I I was um, like, as far as like when it came to him calling out Keegan. I thought Mike Brown did himself a disservice because, sure, call out a player. That's fine. Do not make excuses for Harrison Barnes having two rebounds. Like, his his point with Harrison Barnes was Harrison Barnes had to go defend LeBron James on the perimeter a bunch. Hey, LeBron James took 28 shots. Six of those came from three. 22 of them came inside. So, no, Harrison Barnes was at fault as well. And, oh, by the way, your point guard, who happens to be your second or third leading rebounder on the team also had one rebound so like at what point do you I, I that's where I was kind of surprised by Mike Brown because I get calling out a rookie but you know that rookie also did some nice things he also had like 15 or 16 points and is he getting it I, I don't know like overall there are some questions about you know what his ceiling is still but like I, I don't know to me it was weird to roast a young player in a three-point loss against, you know, a team where four guys score 20 points or more, and one of those is LeBron James. But, you know, I, like, I just it, didn't it, know that it warranted it. Well, were yeah, any of us sitting there thinking that rebounding was the issue, even? A little bit. I, I will admit it had crossed my mind, but it, I think it was more so – it wasn't a singular game focus. Like, And I think with respect to James, I think James' question – uh, set him up for failure because James said, oh, you know, Keegan was incredible tonight, kind of, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he's almost setting Keegan up for this great praise to come from the head coach. And the head coach took not only that game, but a group of games in which he just has not done what is expected of him. And Mike used that moment to be like, no, no, hold on. We're looking at this all wrong. Like even though he's drawn some uh, some nice things, like the offensive fouls against somebody like LeBron James, and uh, may have uh, hit a he still continues to hit shots. It's like there's a bigger expectation of Keegan Murray, <clears throat> especially as a rookie, and things that they're working on. And I think he'd use that opportunity to kind of hammer him down. Um, so just blame it's James' fault. I hit a Sabonis <laughs> about 
about uh, Keegan. I didn't ask Mike. He lit no, into. I, no, I'm almost sure it was unprovoked. Oh, we got to go to the tape. We might have to go to the tape on that one. No, no, because I do remember. I do remember. Um, maybe it wasn't you, but somebody did uh, ask uh, Mike Brown about that, and that's when he went into the to the rebounding part of of Keegan. I remember it was like almost like a like a a retort, if you will, like a like a tip for tat, and it was uh, it made my eyes go a little wide because uh, he didn't want to really acknowledge the. It's like, oh, that's all well and good. It's kind of like it's kind of like with Orlando last night, right? You you look at this game against the Magic and you're like, all right, well, you've got a season high performance against uh, for 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 Harrison Barnes. You've got a franchise record in threes. You get tie your season high in assists. Chemezi Metu plays awesome, and all he's cared about is the 42 fucking points in the paint, and that's incredible because it's been so much of a problem over this this span of uh, a greater part of a month, really. And so that's really what Mike Brown, when he focuses, especially being a defensive coach, he's gonna, that's that's where his uh, his attention lies. Actually, I, I'm gonna I, I, we'll do uh, we'll make this segment the business of basketball, <laughs> which Sean loves. I love um, no overreactions yet. Yeah, but. Like, Maybe the Keegan Murray thing is the overreaction. I, I get the, the Tuesday overreaction being the Keegan Murray thing, but no, I, I think the bigger problem here is Mike Brown is fighting so hard to have his imprint on this team. Is he losing? Because the imprint, the the like who this team is, this is a running gun, play no defense, have a good time, score 130 points per game. And Mike Brown is clinging to his principles and like tooth and nail, like fighting and saying, no, 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 no. I don't care that we had 39 assists. I don't care that we had 23 made field goals. I don't care. None of that matters. The reason we won this game was 42. Uh, it was 42 points in the paint by our opponent. And I get what he's saying, but his defensive principles and this roster, this makeup, I, that's something else I asked him. Can you teach this? roster defense like is that possible like have we seen like they have regressed so hard that you have to wonder like can this group actually play defense they can do it for short spurts and that was his point was well they've been able to do it so i guess the tuesday overreaction is like who will mike brown be able to like win this battle between his players and himself which i don't think is something that they're outwardly saying to each other but it's the way it plays out on the court. I think that we've seen the offense be successful and credit to Mike Brown for that. Like 134 in that Lakers game, it still was a good offensive performance. Their defense just let them down. And then they dropped 136 in that game against Orlando. So the offense has been there, but obviously you think of Mike Brown as like a defensive coach and they're sitting at 24th right now. And to James's point, like there was a stretch where they looked competent. They looked like a league average defense. And I think that's all we're really asking when you're talking about a team that's ranked fourth in offensive rating. Um, but I think that Mike Brown is going to continue to kind of focus in on that point because I, I think he's right when he talks about like when we get to playoff basketball, that matters. That is what is going to be the difference here. And I can't help but have some sort of flashbacks to Luke Walton deciding that like, hey, maybe we're going to slow down the pace a little because we have to have a good half court offense. And it's, it's a different aspect, but it's like we have to clean this up because that's what's important for the postseason or for the games that matter. Um, and, and I think it's different, but I think the offense is still there. So credit to Mike Brown because it's not like he's focusing so much on the defense that the offense is struggling because of it. But I, I think that he does need to continue to push these guys to be as good as they can on the defensive end. I thought when you asked him that question, it was kind of interesting. Like, 
I don't know that he's ever going to sit up there and be like, I don't think these guys can play defense. Um, but to his point, they have done it for stretches. There was a little while where I was feeling a little optimistic, and I, I feel like I'm back down to earth a little bit now after Charlotte, Washington, L.A. Um, on the defensive end. But I, I think that Mike Brown is going to try to continue to get this team to do as much as they can on the defensive end, as he absolutely should. But that that isn't coming as a result of the offense struggling because of that or anything like that. So I, I'm kind of fine with the balance and understand very much so why he's saying that games are win or win one or loss on the defensive end of the floor for this team because they're good enough offensively to win any game, but they're bad enough defensively to lose any game at the same time. Well, and I think that's the part to unpack because. Look, it's what James is essentially asking is a question of Mike Brown, which would be at what point are you are who you are, uh, especially as you near the midpoint of the season. And I think he would report he would his his reply to that would be they can be who they are, but it's my job to make them better than what they are because that's not who I am. And I know that's kind of all over the place there, but no, it's that makes sense. And to the point of like, you don't he's look, he's a defensive coach he's not expecting them to be a top 10 defensive team. I think that the, he, he may look at that and say, Hey, that's something we can evolve to over my time in Sacramento. It's certainly not going to be this year, but because of how potent they are on the offensive end and how efficient they are on the offensive end, the smallest amount of defensive improvement will go a long, long way with this team. And I think that's where, is what he has to harp on so he has to accentuate the positives and really harp double down on 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 those defensive uh uh principles but i will say too like it's so funny like we're we're about 30 minutes into this podcast now and if anyone's listening these guys are really fucking they're, they're really they're really critical for a team who's fifth in the west and who's five and five over the last 10 and three games over 500 and this is probably about it's certainly more than what I had expected. I expected them to hover around 500, um, but they've they're, they're kind of exceeding expectations. And I I say that because you're moving into this midpoint of the season, and people like to put grades up there and really kind of take a true evaluation of where teams are. And this is a, a team that has exceeded, I think, most expectations throughout. Not only nationally, because of course they do. National doesn't expect much from Sacramento, but even our own as well here in the local level. But I will say this, like what I think, what I credit Mike Brown so much from doing is he knows that playoffs are not when you just look at the, at the league right now, there's so much parody. There's a lot of injuries. Um, there's blowouts every single night. There's lopsided scores. There's super high scoring. And I think what he's trying to really emphasize here is once the season starts to tighten up those straps and get closer to the playoffs. And if you're trying to sustain success, that ain't it because you may be fifth now and you may have this be where you are and, and really stem from playing 500 basketball, but really taking advantage of a seven game win streak where of course defense is going to improve in a seven game win streak because you've won seven games. But the fact is to be able to sustain the success in March, April, as you head into a playoff possible run or even a play in appearance, you won't be able to sustain that playing that way. So he's he has to see that team rise from among the worst in the league and try to hold at twenty to fifteen anywhere in the in in defensive rating because that's going to be where they're that's where they'll win games and be able to sustain success because you already know what you can get on the offensive end. Yeah, I think he's being realistic. 
he knows that the Clippers, who have lost, what, five games in a row, that come the last 20 games of the season, they'll be cranking up for the playoffs, and they'll just skip right over you in in the standings. Or, heaven forbid, you end up at the seven spot, and you look at who's the eight, nine, and ten. It's kind of, and it, have, it, what if it's the Clippers and the Warriors and the Lakers? All three. Right. Um, you're not making the playoffs. You're not. They're going to absolutely stomp you. And and that's what I think Mike Brown's just being cognizant of. Like, look, if this is who we want to be, we have to start doing it now. And we have to start showing improvement, not showing regression. And that's what, like, realistically, the regression is, hor- like, it's horrific. Like, how bad they've gotten in the last, I don't know, 20 games? It's it's one of those turns where you're like, okay, this isn't sus- sustainable at all. They, they would need an offensive rating of like 125 to, to stay above 500 from here on out. And they have to make changes. And so I, I think it's a legit, legitimate question. Can you do it with this group of players? And I think the, uh, the backup center position has been like a red herring. It's been something that's just out there that it's distracting everybody from the fact that that isn't the only position that's playing very poorly. And when you don't have that position solidified, it's making all of the other positions like play wonky and not figure out things. And I, I don't know how Mike Brown has to like get through this minefield here, but he needs better players at the back end of his rotation. That's it. Like I, that sounds harsh, but like this team has a, at certain point, it has to go out and find one or two more upgrades in the top eight or nine man of the rotation. Like they can't, expect this team to hold on and and just show improvement on the court and be okay by the end of the season that's typically not the way it works there's like seven players right now that i feel comfortable with and the eighth kind of fluctuates i think trey lyles has been good recently um but last thing i'll say on the defensive thing like i don't even know that i'd call it regression to me like there's an outlier portion of the season where they played good defense because the beginning of the year they were not good there was maybe a 10 or so game sample where they were solid maybe around 17th and then since then they've just been bad again so to me it's like there's been a slight moment where they were good but outside of that this team has been bad on defense that's what we've seen for years prior and apparently what's still happening yeah it's not good okay so let's let's touch base on this because it kind (laughs) of plays into this the defensive player of the game in uh, against the uh, the Orlando Magic was of course Chemezi Metu. Chemezi Metu had played four minutes and twenty seconds over the previous ten games, including eight DMP CDs. I thought Mezzi looked great, um, and and that that takes a lot for me to say that all the time because there are th- certain things that Chemezi does that like I see why he gets benched. But there were also moments in that game where you saw the switchability that he brings and how much that does actually impact that second unit. His ability to just go from one player to the next without, you know, getting isolated and, and getting beat up, which is, you know, something that's happened to Rashawn Holmes is something that happens to anyone else that plays that position. So what were your guys' thoughts on Chemezi? I know, I know we talked to him in the locker room as well. And I don't know if you can humble Chemezi Metu because that's not who he is. He's a very confident young man, but maybe the way this season has played out has has changed his perspective a little bit. No, for sure. I mean, he he talked about the 
the conversation with Mike Brown, even in an abstract way, he didn't want to go down in much detail while Mike Brown actually did and talked about the things he was challenging for. But then Mezzi held himself to the ultimate accountability by saying, I got too comfortable. Imagine that, like the experience he had in San Antonio coming over here in Sacramento, um, you know, knowing a system like Mike Brown and, and having a international FIBA basketball type style translate to an NBA game. Uh, and then how to how to survive and make a make a living in that and knowing how athletic he is and how quick he is and how familiar he is with all of that um, uh, to me was the eye opener. And uh, look, I thought the, the benching of him went far too long. I think what Mike really wanted to do was was to take advantage of Rashawn Holmes and see if there was something there and see if you know, if there was any type of spark and there just, there just isn't, there just hasn't been. And I think it's unfortunate for Rashawn because even if he's coming in and playing anywhere from six to 11 minutes, it's not really enough for him to really get comfortable on the floor. It's like a, it's kind of like one of those, uh, not to compare him to a clunker of a car, cause that's not what I'm trying to do, but one of those, those engines that just doesn't go zero to 60 very quickly and 60 representing the comfortability and feel for the game. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes Rashawn can go out there in spurts and, and have it. But, but when you're talking about only being able to go out there and be impactful in a three minute stretch is very, very difficult. I think for someone like him, whereas with Mezzi, it just comes naturally. And especially with how quick he is to, to make reads. And as James said, the switchability, um, plus everything's at the rim with the guy, uh, even offensively and defensively. Like he tries to meet people there. He, he's, he, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he still tries to, you know, play the the shot uh the, the rim protector type role even though he's not really that type of player so um i just think he's a guy who uh if he's telling himself that he he fell into a comfort level and that was to be you know slapped on the wrist for uh i think the the punishment may have gone a little bit too long because i still think he's the most impactful player they have of those backups and um last night was was really great to see i know it's a small sample size it's one game but uh he was eager to get out there he was impactful right away he made he maximized his opportunities doesn't matter what he does on the offensive on the offensive end and that's one of the things where i think people uh will much like that that uh, nemias kata game where they say oh look at all these dunks he had and it's like that ain't it like that's not where he needs to be impactful um it's the it's the other areas and he he recognized that he didn't get into foul trouble uh, and he matched a team with length. And I think, unlike the game where Casey Akpala a few nights ago was the defensive player of the game, I think that was in Utah, and then comes out the next night against the Hawks and doesn't play at all, um, I, I think we're going to see Mezzi as the guy here going forward for a, very, uh, for a prolonged stretch as long as he doesn't you know, get too comfortable or just wane in, that, in those areas. I think Mezzi's clearly been the best backup center on this team. I think he's still obviously has his shortcomings. I, I think when it comes to the defensive end of the floor that he had a solid night against the magic, they highlighted his six defensive rebounds. And I think Jordy mentioned two verticalities in that video, the Kings put out of him awarding Mezzi, the defense player, of the game chain. Um, but I, I think that Mezzi's biggest strength is still the offensive end. I, I think the vertical spacing that he provides and just having versatility, like Mike Brown pointed out that at Mezzi's size and speed, if he's playing the five that he should be able to outrun everybody. And I think that that's important on the offensive end, but also being able to get back defensively and just seeing that progress is important. You know, Mike Brown mentioned uh, when when he got asked, like, why did Messi get sat in the first place that he he brought up effort. And I thought that that was kind of interesting and, and highlighted how it's only six to eight minutes a half 
that he's asking a backup center to play. And if you're only playing that much, effort can never really be a question. So I, I think that rewarding Mezzi for this solid play that he had when he's clearly the been the best option at this role that they are searching for so clearly. Um, if you're able to kind of solidify that and feel okay, which Mezzi seems far and away to be the best option right now, that we can we can focus on some of the other shortcomings that this team has and, and maybe stop worrying about backup center so much. I'm, I'm not ready to say that yet with Mezzi, but keep him in there for a little while, and he just clearly seems like the best option so far. Yeah, it's interesting. Messi got up to a point. He had a three-game stretch where he had eight points and eight rebounds in 17 minutes, and then he had 10 points and eight rebounds in 15 minutes, and then he had 10 points and three rebounds in 12 minutes. And then from then on, he just completely fell apart. Uh, over the next three games, you know, five points, six points, his rebound numbers are low, zero points, five points. And he played himself, like, I understand why he was out of the rotation like fully like he had a he had 20 games to make his mark and I thought for he had been building up to something and then lost his way a little bit and I, I think that like he has potential for sure but again like I, I don't think he's the backup center option for the rest of the season I think the Kings will try other things I also think that they wanted to make sure that everyone in the league knew that Rashawn Holmes could still run up and down the court that there was nothing wrong with him um, I don't think over they the did last... themselves any favors. Well, maybe not, but like... And it got worse, right? I don't know if it got worse. I think he's still healthy, and I think most people understand that this just isn't a pick-and-roll offense, and he's a pick-and-roll right. player. Right. And so, like, you can go find a team that does a bunch of pick-and-rolls, and he can go right back to being a very effective player. I think the the biggest thing for me is that when Chemezi puts pressure on the rim, kind of like what Sean was saying, when he puts pressure on the rim... It really is impactful. Like he's one of the few guys that can really go up and above everybody, and he gives uh, Malik Monk just that that person, that running mate to play with. Which, like, that's what's been missing. Malik Monk has been in a funk, and a lot of times it's because he loves to pick and roll and he loves to have a big man that he lobs the ball up to. You take that away from him, and all of a sudden he started looking normal, like regular, and maybe not even great for two, three weeks that we're dealing with the Malik Monk sort of dip in the schedule. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. We're going to keep revisiting this. I don't think the, the Kings still know that they need more at that position, uh, at the four, at the five, and I expect them to be like pretty aggressive at that. Those two spots come the trade deadline. Um, but who knows if they actually do pull off any trades. I just know that they're going to try to be aggressive. Uh, let's get to the, the crappy news of the week. Um, so we don't tuck it in at the end of the show. Um, but I, I think we all spent enough time with Shima Moneki. Sean spent time with him in the past. Um, you know, Brennan spent time in Stockton. I've sat down with Shima a couple of times and just even in pregame, just chatting, um, such an engaging young man and, uh, fun uh, really, really bright, uh, a guy who, you know, has lived all over the world because his parents were diplomats, um, who just brings us like charisma and everything else. And uh, the Kings decided to waive him um, before the, the deadline. All of us, we didn't think that would happen. And, and I know someone even said, someone even called us liars uh, on one platform or another. And I'm like, no, we were projecting. Really? Pro we were predicting what might happen. 
Uh, because we missed that the Kings waived Chimo Moneki, that doesn't really mean anything. Um, we're talking about literally the 15th man on the roster, and all of us knew that they liked him, but clearly they liked their roster flexibility more, uh, which was harsh, especially even the way it happened. Uh, Chima, from what I know, was on his way to a game in Stockton, and they called him and yeah. called him off. Um, just not good. And so, first of all, lots of love for Chima because he was a fun personality to have around. Uh, and he'll land on his feet. He's a good guy. Um, I, I think that, you know, like he's he's a player that probably has to go through the G League to get to the league. Um, but, like, what are your guys' thoughts on this situation to open up the roster spot? Yeah, I mean, you had you hit it right there. I think um, he, he's appreciative of the opportunity, as anyone is in the NBA. They did him a favor by uh, – I mean, he earned it, for one, but they also did him a favor in the sense that, you know, making a roster spot but spending the majority of the time of your, uh, you know, learning it with the G league level and trying to get better and trying to improve. And um, it's not that it didn't really work out. It's that this team is positioned uh, to utilize a roster spot that hopefully that they can improve the regular rotation in Chima and their eyes just isn't there yet. When you look at somebody, you know, they obviously signed a 10 day contract to PJ Dozier uh, whether that works out or doesn't, like PJ Dozier is a guy that was highly thought of at one point as a rotational player with Denver before an injury, and he's kind of working his way out a little bit longer in the tooth, 26 years old, and low risk, high reward situation. Could something like that work out, especially with somebody who is able to do it on the defensive end as well and add some wing depth? So, um, and familiarity you know, with Jordy Fernandez. He spent three years with yeah. Jordy in, in Denver. Yeah, yeah, great point, great point, and it's. You know, it, it, and those are the type of situations that it comes to. And when you talk about Matthew Delavadova versus Chima Maneki versus Casey Akpala, well, you those guys you can obviously have seen have have Casey has been a rotational player at moments during the season, and it's kind of um, looking like more of a rotational player now than what was earlier in the season. And Delhi is just an an extension of the head coach on the bench, and um, they clearly value that leadership expertise. Um, familiarity more than what what they have with Chima at the at the moment who's in the G League and you know if things shape out you know there's possibility of you know something down the line in the future again possibility I'm not saying that's going to happen but hopefully he's opened some eyes with uh, other teams it's kind of similar to the Gabe Vincent situation you know he was in your system and goes off to Miami and flourishes and becomes a starter when, at points of the season so um, and made a nice career for himself so. Uh, Hopefully that can happen for Chima, and if not, he can go overseas. But I, I do agree that uh, uh, that in the his way his pathway to the NBA will will continue to be the G League this season. We'll see what it looks like toward the end of the season and into summer league as well, or into the summer as well. Yeah, Brendan, I want to clarify something that Sean just said. The Kings cannot sign him to a two way player a two way contract, and they cannot uh, sign him to a G League contract. Right. Um, because he already made more than the for, for, 50000 for, for this season. season. For this yeah. season. Yeah. Now, what happens going forward, I'm not sure, but they cannot do any of that this season in particular. Yeah, and hopefully Chima gets another opportunity. I mean, just to echo what you guys said, like he was one of my favorite people to interact with, just his personality. I, I thought that he was just so humble. Um, and But from the other aspect, like, I understand there's an adjustment period to getting used to overseas basketball to NBA. I, I think the whole three second rule was a big thing for him because coach always pointed out like him and KZ kind of being in the same 
area when it came to their expected impact uh, of being those lengthy, versatile defenders. Um, and, and Chimo was a very good rebounder in the G League. He was a solid finisher. I think he was upwards of 50%, even though he preferred to be around the 60-70 mark uh, when it came to two-point percentage. Um, but I, I think that being 27 and when you look at this Sacramento team, like we mentioned before, there's seven guys that you feel comfortable with and you'd love to have more than that. And I think there's question marks around the league of if you can try out some other spots that maybe you could get that guy to be your seventh or eighth guy that you feel comfortable with, like PJ Dozier that they're trying out right now to your guys's point was a rotational guy in Denver before he had this ACL injury. So if he became what he was before, I think that could be a valuable piece. So I understand it from Sacramento's point of view. Um, definitely sad to see the personality and potential of, of Chima Moneki walk out the door, but I am intrigued by what they're going to kind of do with this. And, and I like that we got the answer pretty quickly just for the sake of my own curiosity that they're going to try out a couple 10 days. Um, maybe they stick with PJ after this, but or, or maybe it's so they can take on two people in a trade while they give up one or whatever uneven amount in some sort of deal. But just to give them a little bit more flexibility, I understand where they're coming from because to be honest, as much as I like Chima as a person and saw the potential, like he he wasn't giving them up, giving them much right now, and was was um, using one of their very few fifteen roster spots that they have available. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So when it comes to Chima, like, or or when it comes to that roster spot, like PJ Dozier, they signed him on Monday with this very specific idea in mind. It's that they had five games in ten days, and so they can actually. You know, they're going to have plenty of practice time at home. They're going to get a good look at him. Uh, Mike Brown said he wants to see his compete level. Like, what kind of physicality does he have? I don't know that that he's going to stick around after one ten day, but the Kings had basically 30 days to test drive that position. So they uh, the trade deadline is February 9th. They can continuously make moves here with that roster spot. And then if they need to make a trade, even if they sign a guy to a 10-day contract, they can waive that player off the 10 day contract if they need to, as part of a trade. And, and I'll also say this, um, I, I think we were slightly surprised all of us that they, well, I don't think we were surprised that they didn't, that they made a cut. I think we were slightly surprised that it was Chima. Um, I think I expected them likely to make a cut and I just didn't know who it would be. Like, I didn't think it would be Casey. I, Chima was in the back of my mind, but Della Vadova was more in the front of my mind. And like those guys are on the roster still, but there's no guarantee that they'll be on the roster by the end of the season. And it's just the Kings are willing to pay the money to keep them around right now. Um, I asked Mike Brown why KZ and and uh, and Deli and not uh, Chima. And you know what you guys said was right. He's just team is a little too far away from what they're trying to accomplish. And uh, the other two, KZ brings uh, a ton on the defensive end, defensive end, and he's only 23 years old. And Della Vadova is a spectacular locker room guy who fills a big-time need, like as a third-point guard in case of an emergency, which the Kings have had to use like three times a season already. And with De'Aaron Fox's wife being pregnant, there's a possibility that he may miss a little bit more time um, and so you can kind of project out that they will probably need a backup point guard at some point this season. Um, and Del Vadova, just he's a guy that can handle the job 
for short stints. And so at the end of the day, I, I was kind of caught off guard by it being Chima. But then again, like the, I understand where they're going with it. And it's just that like, look, we can probably replace what Chima is doing at the G League level with some other way. And he's not going to make an impact up here right now. So let's see if we can find someone that can at least help out or at least have the roster flexibility to do something at the deadline. Um, either way, kind of a bummer for a young guy uh, to see that happen. Um, what else do we got? Uh, factor cap. Oh. Factor cap. Oh, the return. Is that the a, return. Is that a thing? The it's return. been a little while. I got to be I'm more consistent it. with this, but I got one. A couple. Oh wow! Let's do okay. It. Uh, let's hit. Let's hit one last topic and then factor cap. Does that make sense? Oh, let's do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Harrison Barnes over his last twenty games: sixteen point two points, four point eight rebounds, shooting forty eight point six percent from the field, thirty seven percent from the three point line. He's all Washed. the way up to almost thirty four percent. Brendan. <laughs> Take a lap. You're, I can't you, believe some people call them washed. I don't know what people were thinking. Like other podcasts, I heard people saying it. It's crazy. I was never on board this at all. It's so obvious that he was going to be good. He's a great play finisher, and they don't need creators. They have their creators with Fox and Domas, and HB can be there and just finish plays. I thought that he was aggressive in, in taking triples early in that Orlando game. And throughout the course of the season, I, I think that we've seen him have a little bit more of a quick trigger when that's something that I've wanted to see more in years prior. Um, the just intelligence that he has playing that obviously he has that threat of being a good shooter, but back cutting when they're overplaying him and, and Domas being able to reward that he's been great. And I can't believe anybody would have ever called him potentially washed. Unacceptable. Sean, anything else to add? <laughs> no, I mean, he said it. I'm, I'm just glad that all that made sense. <laughs> I mean, he's no, I mean, uh, like there's certain things you can get on him about. And he was so efficient. He was eight of eight at one point last night. Defensively, he does what he does. Um, at times, it, it, I mean, we've seen it look really bad. Uh, I think it's uh, I think the way that they've they've had him. I mean, obviously, he's playing an important role. And Mike Brown harps on that a lot. So um they 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 have such an effort of getting early points uh for for Harrison Barnes for him to see the ball go through the hoop uh and almost as like a a, a mechanism for him to stay engaged on the offensive end um and i i love it when he takes 10 11 12 shots a game i mean that's that that has to be there for their offense and with the way their offense is sizzling they they should be able to do that um that's that's something i would do should in a capital s h o u l d because uh, that's that's where their that's where their bread is buttered on the offensive end, and to have him engaged and a part of that, it, it needs to be there. It usually uh, translates to success for this team. So, um, yeah, kudos for him. I'm glad he had a, a season high performance, and I'm glad we got to talk to him. Yeah, we got to talk to him. Uh, a rarity. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'll say too, like, um, just Harrison Barnes continues to be a guy who brings something that this team lacks, and. Each and every night, it feels like it's something different, but it's very rare that you find a player that has that knack. They can sense what it is that his team needs, whether he needs to get to the free throw line or whether he needs to have a big rebounding night or whether he needs to hit some big-time threes. He's always been that guy for this team over the last couple of years, and it's good to see him kind of round back into shape and find his place with this team. And we talked about this at the beginning of the season. We had a discussion on who is going to be the Kings' third-leading scorer on the season. And 
right now he he just re-entered the race he's right there with malik monk and with kevin herter and uh you know i think he's at 14.5 points monks at like 14.2 and herter's like 15.8 um this team has a lot of scores and they can they got a bunch of guys that can go for 30 on any given night and that makes you dangerous so um, I, I like to see uh, him back in the flow, and I also I, we need to give him his props when he is playing well, and he's been playing very well the last couple of weeks. Um, all right, Brandon, let's hit it. Factor cap. All right, first one we're going to start with. Um, I think we've passed two of the triple voting days for All Star voting, and we're getting closer and closer to that. Sean, um, fact or cap? DeMontis Sabonis will make an all-star team. The all-star team this year. Um, and I'll go through some of the front court competition that he has in the Western Conference. There are four backcourt players and six front court players that make it, and then two wild cards. But to go through some of the front court competition that Domas has, Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, and Zion Williamson, to me, are the three that are making it for sure. Um, after on. that, before, before you continue. Of those three, how many of them making it on votes? Um, I can check Two. what the recent voting is. At least Jokic and LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's and Jokic, the... LeBron, and AD are the top three. Maybe I'm wrong. And and, and I don't even need you to finish because I'm saying fact. I think the coaches will reward him for his play. Let me. I'll I'll go through the rest of these names really quick. Uh, Lori Markinen, Demontis Sabonis, Anthony Davis, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, Aaron Gordon. If you want to throw the Minnesota guys in there, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Kawhi Leonard. Six guys at very least make it from this list. Potentially up to eight, depending on what those wild cards look like. Fact or cap? James Ham, Demontis Sabonis will make the All Star team this year. Fact. I think you, you name three guys that I think you're going to have problems because AD is probably going to get voted in. So AD, Jokic, and LeBron will all three probably get voted in. Zion will make it for his play. Uh, that's four. Um, Sabonis will be there, I'm almost assured. Um, and after that, uh, it's going to be a toss-up. Like can, I think Paul I... George. Uh, yeah. And then I'll throw out the marketing could make it because it's in Utah. That's going to be it's a bit in, of an issue. It's in Utah. They're going to want someone from the home city. I think he makes it, and I think the one that possibly doesn't is Zion, especially with the injury. And if he, the only way I think Zion gets in, and I could be completely on glue here, <laughs> but I think if Zion gets in because of votes, then he's in, obviously. But I don't know that coaches are going to reward that for more injuries to Zion Williamson. Is he down again? Yeah, didn't... Uh, I'll double check that, but I thought he went out again for an injury just the other day. Right uh, hamstring, reevaluated yeah. in three weeks. That's as of the third. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So no, that's a good point, Sean. You had me, okay. you had me doubting there. So yeah, if he doesn't make it through votes, I don't think that the coaches will. Again, you're talking injury. He's been fantastic. Don't get me wrong. And you kind of want to reward the Pelicans for something there, but again, I think, you know, Utah will get one, get a guy. Markinen has played incredible. It's like the Shea Gilgis Alexander thing. I mean, he's played incredible. How do you keep him off? Uh, I think if you if you're picking six, I think he's got to be a part of it. And Paul as George, of the maybe last, reward, sorry, maybe reward Zion over Paul George. Maybe that's the way to do it. But I don't know. As of the last fan voting, it was LeBron, Jokic, and AD, 
and Zion was fourth, about 140K votes behind AD. Hmm. Okay. And, and uh, Paul George is having a good season. Um, he's not having as good a season as uh, Lowry marketed. And he's only played 30 games uh, of the 40. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, he, he's still in the running for sure, but... To me, Sabonis is a bona fide all-star. He's the second best big man, the second best center in the in the Western Conference, the third best center in the in the league. Um, and I don't I don't even know if there's debate on that at all. Right. Agreed. I, I think he absolutely should be there. I think there's also a narrative aspect here of just the Sacramento Kings having turned their trajectory around. We'll see where they end up in this Western Conference because fifth sounds great right now, but they're two games out of being 10th like it's so close in the middle of this western conference so we'll see um but to me i'm at the point where i'm definitely going fact i'd be surprised if domas was not in this all-star game Um, by the way i even said larry markin if you remember i said because utah is gonna want you know a hometown guy again trade deadlines before the all-star break so uh that means i expect him to stay in salt lake city so you think that coaches vote based on like it's the hometown. We should get one of the hometown guys in there. If he's no. that good. No, yeah. but the, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. The league's going to want to, I mean, the league will, you know. Right. You, you're going to want something. You're going to want something there. It's always good to have that type of presence in, um, you know, the, he, it's, he's put up incredible numbers, man. Like yes. It's, it's, and, yeah. and, and it's on a team that most people thought were going to be irrelevant. <laughs> so They uh, might be irrelevant them, by the all-star break. Could be. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, could be. we don't we don't know. We don't know. But uh, Sean's point. Well, your question to answer your question, Brendan, um, like if this was in San Antonio, you're not giving like Devin Vassell, even right. though he's averaging like it right. does. He's probably like the 15th best player at his position where marketing is, is had a really, really, really good season. And you would reward partially because he's had a great season, partially because it's in Utah. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes sense. He's had an all-star caliber season, so just the kind of cherry on top there makes sense. To me, For it, it's a fact. I think Jokic, LeBron, and Zion are there, possibly AD, and then it comes down to Domas, Paul George, and Laurie Markkinen, and I think we could see all of those guys make it uh, with one of them being the wild card reserve. Second one I got for you guys. Uh, the Kings are sur- currently sitting at atop the Pacific Division. A game and a half ahead of the Clippers and Warriors, two games ahead of the Suns, and three games ahead of the Lakers. So, factor cap, the Sacramento Kings will finish the season top two in the Pacific Division. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love the groans. I don't know. I'm going to say cap. Uh, like, they got a lot of work. By the to way, do. <laughs> I didn't say yes, and I was giving it yes. That's fact. I was saying yeah, like I was trying to noodle it yeah. through, and I still haven't gotten there yet. I say cap. Um, like they're gonna be in it, but man, like the Warriors won the championship last year. the The Clippers are are like so deep. If they they figured out, like they're in a downturn right now, but like I really have a tough time seeing the Kings surviving and being above those two teams and then we're st- that's not even talking about what the suns and like I, I don't think they'll finish fifth um but like they're gonna have a tough time finish top two agreed they will that is cap 
Absolutely. Wow. I am the same. Um, I think the Warriors and one of the Suns or Clippers will probably be above the Kings. But do we all think like it's it, it's possible that they're in that top two, right? It, it, let's just put it this way. If you would ask me that question uh, before the season started, I'd be like, Brennan, what do you, what do you want? What, like, right. what do you yeah. So the right. fact that I even had to think about it and yeah. noodle it through was surprising enough. So, yeah, no, it, it's it's surprising. Yeah, they can be there. I mean, there's nothing to say they can't, but I mean, their home record needs to be better than it is right now. And that's tough because, I mean, they're floating at 500 on the road, which is incredible. Um, and the fact that, I mean, that they could potentially win 20 games on the road, that's that's spectacular. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I keep wanting them to win more on the road because the way they play, but it's like I want to eat a little bit of crow because I don't know if it was the last podcast or the one before that uh, is like you look at the top teams in the West – and nobody has a better record than 500 on the road. And that's including um, Denver and Memphis. So, um, you know, that's huge. It really is. And, and and part of me who that wants to see a winning record on the road is, again, it has to do with the way they play because so many teams can take a team for granted. They can just really – I mean, playing fast and having an efficient offense like that, you know, with respect to what Mike Brown is saying about sustaining success, he's right – but it's also a way for you to actually win games, uh, especially when your opponent comes in on second nights of back-to-backs or playing three and four nights. And if, if that's just part of your DNA and what you are, you will win games that you probably shouldn't. And, um, you know, I, I feel like the way they play should be able to bode well for them on the road. And sometimes they get a little bit too comfortable at home. Okay, so Nuggets, Grizzlies are both 10 and 10 on, 10 and 10 on the road, and they're number one and number two in the West. The Kings are the only other team that's 500 in the Western Conference on the road at 9 and yeah, 9. 9 and 9. But the fact well, that they're 12 and 9 at home where Denver 17 right. and 3, Memphis 17 and 3, Warriors are 17 and 4, that's a problem especially with the crowds. And Mr. Curry is coming back tonight as we record this on Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. What do you got for us, Brennan? Last one. As we look forward to these next 5 games, we've been talking about this 7 game stretch for a long time and they've dropped the one of the first two but through these next five games which they have houston at home on wednesday houston at home on friday then they go on the road on sunday in san antonio second of that road trip a quick road trip is against the lakers in la on wednesday come back and play okc on friday the kings will win four of these next five games fact or cap i will say cap uh, because they've shown me nothing to think that they can sustain more than two wins in a row. I mean, let's be honest. They seven game win streak. No, 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 I'm saying of late. Like if you take, if you take, yeah. uh, since they've returned from that road trip, there's just been nothing lately that shows me that they're anything but Jekyll and Hyde. And you know, you really don't see these these. You know, it's it's like win one, lose one, win one, lose two. Like it's it's things like that. So I, I I'm gonna say I don't think they can turn it around that quickly but i do feel like hey three of the five do that like that should be your goal is three of the five i'm going to say fact brendan you I rose think colored that, purple kool-aid drinking ms i think <laughs> that they will in fact do that um i think that they can win four out of five uh especially yeah, with that two wasn't games the against question Rock- yeah said, of course they can no, he said will they they will should they they no. will uh, no, I, I do. I believe they will. Uh, Houston is absolutely horrible. They're trash. Horrible on the road. 
Well, in general, but on the road, they're even worse. They've got, what, four, four wins four on the season? Four wins, yeah. Uh, San Antonio has not proven to be a good team at all, but they play hard. Um, but yeah. what happens a lot of times at home, what happens when you're playing a team twice like that back-to-back? Um, I know, I'm with you, but a lot of those games that they are expected to take care of business, they don't. I agree. I agree. But I'm also going to say that if they get to, if they win against Houston tomorrow, right? If they win again, that puts them at yeah, four games it? over 500 for the eighth time <laughs> this season. If they win on Friday, I think that that is a moment where they they break through a little bit. They break through the, the ceiling that they've been fighting against. Uh, and they might get, you know, they might be able to get six, seven games over. I think that it's possible. Um, I think it's that possible. I'm that whatever, Sean. Question. Whatever, Sean. <laughs> I was getting to it. Hey, Shut I, up, I am going with Cap. <laughs> I am going with Cap. Um, Squeeze, Sean. <laughs> I think that they should win four, but I, I think I lean more on Sean's side uh, between the, what both of you guys presented. That like I've just I, I've lost a little bit of faith in these last couple weeks. I, I've mentioned it a couple times, but that Charlotte game, the Washington game, the most recent Lakers game, those were all really disappointing to me. And I think that the fact that it's the same issue in all of these games of clear defensive shortcomings and something else we mentioned earlier that to me, like they have an outlier portion of the season where they would were good defensively. But to me, that's just still the outlier right now. This is a bad defensive team until proven otherwise in my mind. And that makes me think that like any given night, if somebody asks me, what do I think is, do I think the Kings are going to win on that night? I never know what to say. Like, I, I think they're bad enough defensively to lose against any team. They're good enough offensively to win against any team. So it, it's hard to predict four or five. Um, I think they can and they should. But if I have to guess, I, I think I'm going cap and, and guessing three of five, but obviously hoping for four. Which would be, or, which would be th- just fine. And they could win all of them. Like, I don't think that's unreasonable. Of course, they could win all of them. We're Whatever, t- Sean. But Your I definition. Say, uh, but if you if they went three and five, any fan should be fant- be thrilled with that. Thrilled? Yeah. Yeah. Content. Wait, if, they, if they go what? Content. <laughs> like, that's, that's the lowest that you could be, like, okay with, right? Three yeah, of five? 100%. Yeah. If it's two, you're super if disappointed, you're, you're, right? No, you're, you're like pissed right i looked at the nine game stretch and i thought that they could go seven and two on the nine and they already lost their two <laughs> i know well, so James, that seven puts of you... nine. that's hard that's really hard in the well i think no, you said I, six and three right sean like and they're that, already yes yeah, six is where six would be where i would want them to be you, you just have yeah. one over you know that's that's where you'd want to be right okay that's let's get to our last topic Let's get to the business of basketball. I don't have the same luster, the, the, the same booming voice today for the business of basketball. I don't know why. Um, we're, we're getting down to the wire here. Um, do you think, because we keep talking about this, like um, like what, how far over 500 or whatever, do you think that the Kings have done enough, Mike Brown has done enough, to uh number one give monty mcnair the sample size he needs but number two to show management and ownership that this is a moment that they need to go for it 
that they need help. They they could use one or two more top end of the rotation players, and this is a moment where you need to push your chips in because not only can you set yourself up for this year, but maybe the year after that and the year after that. Well, define going for it. A substantial move that adds two, I'm not saying two top three of the rotation guys, or I mean, or a top three of the rotation guy or a top five of the rotation guy, but certainly two more rotational pieces that are guaranteed rotational pieces, players that 80% of the league would look at as, as top eight or nine of the rotation players. Here's how I here's how I'd look at that. You should always be looking for those, right? If if you're trying to get better, like if you're trying to improve, like again, the goal is not to make the playoffs, goal is to win the championship. But realistically, right? Like you're always trying to get better. So that's the way you answer the question. However, we've had these topics about certain guys that would pop up. Um, do you sacrifice certain picks to grab a player that ultimately you're kind of overvaluing to really give you a push that may not. Um, mean that much in the win column certainly could fit well based on certain situations and things of obvious need but like i feel like you have to look beyond that and that's kind of the things i've been um talking about when talking about the likes of a nerland's noel a a mason Plumlee, pj washington's things like that like those to me just they're moves but they're and they're they're moves that could have a certain level of impact but to me it's not of the level of impact you should be looking for. You should be looking like beyond that. And like, I just feel like making one of those type of moves is essentially to treading water and doesn't really mean a lot in the win column. It certainly addresses a need now, but you're at a point where you need, like, if you're going to do something, you should, you should think bigger, you know, have, have, have bigger aspirations. And if, uh, if, if you're hunting those white whales, so to speak, um, then, you know, you're you're not close enough to the trade deadline yet to where you can just abandon, you know, giving up your white whale search if you're Captain Ahab. That's a Moby Dick reference, Brendan. If you don't, know, Moby Dick is a classic literary novel that I think you would really enjoy. But anyway, um, yeah, that's that's how I would answer that. Uh, <laughs> I just I don't know that there's those. And again, they may not be capable of making those moves because I think a lot of the players that they'd be willing to spend aren't that attractive to other teams and situations um, to land the, that type of talent. So okay, think? I think the performance we've seen from this team so far has Mike Brown has justified or helped justify the Domas Tyrese swap. I, I think that we've seen that be successful in the short term and, and the whole Looking at that deal in hindsight is everything that's going to have to do with, obviously, if Domas stays when his contract comes up, but just how good Tyrese becomes, I, I think, is what that whole conversation is going to revolve around. But when it comes to what Sacramento was trying to do, and that's win games right now and make the postseason and this drought, that clearly that's been a success. And I, I think that barring things going terrible for this team, like they're in a position where they should absolutely be in the play in like. To me, they should be in a postseason, should, should, should be in the postseason. Um, and fighting for a playoff opportunity. Um, I don't think that it's at the point where they have to make another move right now to make sure that that is solidified. I think that obviously if the opportunity presents itself and you feel like there's something available to do that, 
then you should. But I don't know that there should be a crazy amount of pressure around that. I think that if it happens this offseason, that's fine as well. Um, because there is still another, to me, a third person, a third star, the same or slightly below level of Domas Dier, and that needs to be added if you want to catapult into this next tier of the Western Conference. And my whole question with the Domas Tariswap swap is just what is the ceiling of this team and how do you reach that next tier? And at some point you have to take another swing for that third star in my mind. Um, so if that's not available in something that the front office thinks is reasonable right now, uh, when it comes to this deadline, I don't think that there should be a pressure that it has to happen right now. But I think that, you know, if we're talking by the end of the off season, maybe I, my answer is a little different there, but I think that right now they've shown that they are good enough to be in this play in race at very least. And I think that's kind of what we wanted coming into the year. So if you see an opportunity then go and do it, but don't feel pressure where it's like, ah, you know, I don't love this deal, but we have to do something. Like, if that's where they're at, then I don't know that the trigger needs to be pulled. Can I point out one thing? I don't disagree with you, Brendan. Um, maybe with just so many of the usage of the word should, word should <laughs> sure. But I want to point out something. I mean, you're talking about the Kings were fifth in the West. The difference between fifth and 12th right now is three games. Yep. So, like, don't fall for fool's gold, right? Like th everything is so jumbled. Like they could be, they could be exceeding expectations. They could be out kicking their coverage, whatever term you want to use. But again, that's three, you're talking three games, right? So this thing could fall apart with a four game losing streak it has possibility to um, really kind of derail a bit. And again, I, I expect them fully. That was my expectation when we kickstarted the season, which was, play in tournament and so far being at fifth that's fantastic they're not far you know they're only five and a half out from number one so it's like you look at where you are in the standings and how how everything is so jumbled up right now and to be this deep in the season uh is 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 pretty remarkable you don't really see that um but i i, I question whether or not they can even get above five and certainly they can because everything's so jumbled up but will they i don't know but i think some of these moves that um, these tertiary moves won't be what's going to be needed for this team. I think this team needs another like piece, like a solid, solid piece. So it, um, it needs if, the uh, CJ McCollum level move at a minimum, right? Like to solidify who they are right now in the league. Like that's at a minimum, and I don't know what that move is. And I'm not saying CJ. No. I'm saying that level of move that that took you from having Zion and Brandon Ingram, and some nice pieces, some Valanchunas and stuff like that, but it added that that number two or number three player. That's that's a deal that would make you like a four or five in this year and set you up to be a much better team next year and the year after. I'll say this, like, I asked a question, but I'll answer, like, I'll give you what I would think. If they can win four out of five here right now, or if they can win five out of five, I think the view of the season has to change and the fact that they are the 24th worst, you know, the 24th rated defense in the NBA, like Mike Brown has proven enough that he can do some pretty magical stuff with this roster. You need to get him help. And so I would say, yes, you have to go out and do something. And that's, and something doesn't mean you just do something to do something. You need to, swing for the fences and if you can if there's a home run out there you got to take it 
But if there's a really solid single and a walk sitting right there, two guys that fit into your rotation and, and actually play in your top nine of your rotation, I think you have to do that as well. And yeah, I'm not I, even saying you could even make a big giant move and still need one of those singles or doubles to, to back it definitely, up. Definitely. Definitely. Especially who, who knows what's going out. Right. I'll, I'll say this uh, to answer the question a little bit differently. I just don't think that there's any more pressure on Monty McNair than there was at the start of the season. If that makes sense. Like he, he mm. you're enjoying this success based off the things he's built for you. You know what I mean? Like, um, and again, we're talking success in quotations. Like this is, we're not even to, to the trade deadline yet. So you you are enjoying some of the things that he's provided for you. Demona Sabonis, again, that was the shift altering franchise altering shift that they that they went with. They did. It's it's paying dividends right now. This is great. Uh, he's he's likely going to be an all star in the West. Darren Fox is playing really really well. Um, you've added shooting around him. You've added those pieces that he needed. Uh, you still need to add, and I, I don't want to, you know, take. But I just feel like that pressure is always there. I don't think like it it intensifies based off of being uh, here in the fifth seed. You know, three games separated from the twelfth seed. So um, I, I just don't think there's any added pressure right there. Okay. I'll just say I, I think that James is like you need to make the CJ trade or, or your version of that. I, I think that that's a great comparison, and you have to wait for that deal to be available. But I think that there's multiple examples throughout the league. I think of like Aaron Gordon with Denver. You know, I think right. of Drew Holiday with Milwaukee. Like I, I think there's multiple examples throughout uh, Andrew Wiggins with Golden State Warriors. Like I think there's a lot of examples of that type of deal. And I think in order to jump in that next tier, that's that's kind of what you're waiting on. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I agree with my own thought. Yeah. And you also asked, you started it by asking, has Mike Brown given Monty McNair much of a sample? I, I would say yes. I would say yes, he has. Yeah, I think so too. And I think you can see the holes in the roster and you can see ways that you could potentially fill those holes and you can see the levels, the tiers of players that could help you in each of those ways that, that you could fix a roster. Um, but like, it, it's tough if you're Monty McNair because you also don't have a contract and you know this thing is a house of cards. It always is. And if you make the wrong move, you could take a gigantic step backwards and lose your job and and put your franchise back a little bit. And I, I think that those are things that probably shouldn't be thought of, but they're going to be thought of because that's human nature. Um, okay, let's finish up. Uh, final thoughts. Brendan, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, I don't know if I do. How many phone calls have you missed from, your, no. from your tenants? Uh, I definitely have missed a couple. I had to text my boss throughout the course of this. So, <laughs> yeah, about to get right back to all these all this tree damage. Yeah. So no final thoughts from Brendan. Okay. No, he's Sean? just a bunch of nothing up in there. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we gotta, As usual. We got we to find him a new movie, by the way. I don't think we've done that yet. Oh, okay. Yes. So can you oh. guys? I will watch one tonight if you recommend me a movie that is on Netflix. It's got to be Netflix hmm. only. I only watch Netflix, guys. I don't, I don't have. I don't, I don't know why only you guys have Netflix. so many. I don't know how only. you have so many streaming platforms. Well, yeah, I have like forty-seven different streaming. Platforms. I have like a family member's Netflix. I don't pay for any streaming platforms. <laughs> well, hey, that, that's what it is. I have more friends and family than you, evidently, because I don't pay for any myself. I thought we were friends, Sean. I don't know what's going on here. It sounds uh, okay. like I should have so, more. So recently, I watched the uh, the pale blue eye, which I thought was uh, which was cool. 
it's uh oh i started this last night and fell asleep started. believe it or not yeah it's, <laughs> it's an edgar Allan poe uh yes like it's, it, it, well he's part of the this story. is christian bale right yeah it's christian oh bale. really yeah i don't yeah. even know this all right um you know what there is also like if i'm have you have you watched reservoir dogs of course come on now well i know sean has i don't think brendan has Oh, I thought you were okay. asking me. <laughs> no, Sean. I, I know that you're not, like, you Sorry. were locked in a closet as a small child. <laughs> right. I have not watched Reservoir Dogs. Oh, my. Okay, I was so... locked in a closet. Hey, we could... Here's unpopular take. Brendan's not going to like it. I already know it. He's not going to oh, like it. Oh, no. I, I, think, I think he'd like that. Okay. Um, I would also say Brendan, um, The Burbs is on Netflix. <laughs> Which is such a spectacular movie. That is that, movie. Uh, that is so spectacular. The Burbs. Tom Hanks. He's looking it up. Look at him googling. Okay. I am. I am. Young Tom Hanks. Uh, but like before he okay. became Corey a serious Feldman, actor. Bruce yep. Dern. Yep. Okay. Carrie Fisher. The late Carrie Fisher plays his wife. Oh. That, yeah. I yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Life is on here, which is oh. one of those. Yeah. Yeah, watch that. I was on the set, and it was filmed in uh, portions filmed in the Clarksburg area. Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence. It's I, I <laughs> love that movie. You have to watch that. Absolutely. You've never seen Life? No. Oh, f- stop! You're no. You and do not fall asleep. You look at look at me. Look at me I, right I'm here. Going to fall look asleep, at me, Sean. <laughs> do at not me. fall asleep. <laughs> Okay, do not fall asleep. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> I had to get that off my You're chest. Like, That's just pulling, a tough one. Pulling, look at me. Look at me. By the, yeah. Look at me. <laughs> oh, son of a. Um, okay. The upper room and the gun line and so many great things. So many great, ah, great things. Amazing. You need All to right. learn that. You need to watch. God damn it. Brendan. Yeah, Brendan, you just need to like fill your brain with useless movie knowledge. You know that's that's what's missing in your life. I uh, wish everyone comes uh, to support him in the comments. Go, yes, stop picking p- 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 oh, on. If, if anybody talks to me about the pod in person, they're always like, "Don't let him get on you about the movies." I've never seen shit either. <laughs> I just like the fact most that common comment think, I get. I just like the fact that people think that we're bullies and that, that we're done. Right. Like Brennan goes and sits on his couch with this stormy crying because like, Those we, guys are so mean. Right. Lambasted. Oh, we love Brendan. We, we love, love Brendan. Brendan. We love and Brendan. Plain hot dog. Right. Right. Yeah. Ways. <laughs> hey, they had no condiments out yesterday, and everybody wishes they were okay with it. Okay. Uh, yeah, they, they had an emergency. We've had a rough go with the, uh, the food service folks. They, we, Jason went on vacation. Jason is one of the server guys and, uh, everything's gone to hell in a handbasket. I feel for uh, it. It wasn't just... so bad the other day. I got my Sriracha bottle request filled. So then we got that back. But then it was gone the next day and we had no more Sriracha. <laughs> I didn't eat yesterday because uh, I noticed be... that it was Chinese it was food gone again. that was, it was not authentic. So I said, I will not be eating that. It also needed sriracha so bad, and the sriracha was not there. And my my bottle of Frank's Red Hot disappeared. It's gone again, so now i got to bring another bottle in. This is the life, the complicated life of media members in Sacramento. Yeah. First <laughs> world out problems. Here. First yeah. world problems. Okay, so my final thoughts uh, before we get out of here. Here we uh, go. Stay R.I.P. safe. to somebody. No, the weather's crazy. <laughs> stay safe. Uh, 
it's been wild outside. Um, I like white knuckled the whole way home on Saturday night. That was crazy. Getting pushed all over the place. Um, I'm gonna leave pushed. here. Good, good, good use of words there, as opposed to the previous podcast where you yes. got me. Yeah, oh, yeah, which was tears ridiculous. In my eyes from that one. Um, yeah, I, and I have to actually go and leave in a few minutes. My sons have a soccer game tonight in this weather. Um, so they will be playing under the lights for a 7.15 start in the but, uh, torrential downpour. But you're not playing coaching or officiating? No, but I'm driving like a playing. bunch of te- kids. My son, one is playing and one is coaching. I would High pull school. up. I would get in the car, get, gather around everyone, pull up. Now get out. And I, I would situate my car so I could see the field in, in such a way and route from there. Nope. Inside the car. I will be I will be out there in misery in the elements because that's the way it goes. No. That's what happens. That's what this happens. Why, this is why I don't have children. All right. <laughs> this is one why. of the one of the reasons. Just one, <laughs> just one reason why that I know of children yeah. that I know of <laughs> children that I know of. Um, okay, uh, I think that's going to do it. We got all of our final thoughts in Sean. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You went through movies. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. I hey, think that's going to do Bottle Rock it. lineup. Bottle Rock, Bottle Rock lineup. Brendan, did you like see. that? You keep pulling this back see in. This. We're talking about oh, a little look bit the other day. Well, we can talk about the next podcast. I'll be there we'll all three days, it. so come on we'll through. We'll talk about it on Thursday. Like to, right. We can compare it to Coachella, which was trash. Trash. All right. I'm looking yeah. forward to this, uh, Sean. You know, I need to go to one of these things with you, Sean. That yeah. Oh, you would see it would be an education. Maybe. <laughs> I have actually lived a long life at this point, Sean. No, no. The, the, the education of, of, like, you'd learn about Sean. Like, oh, yeah, it's a, yeah. To talk yeah. about myself in the third person. Uh, sound fun. Go, nobody goes full J.J. Hicks and Sean Cunningham. <laughs> think you, you think you know Sean Cunningham. Then you go to a music festival and see what a goonie is, and it's, uh, it's, good, it's good times. All right. Uh, okay. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast. If you're still listening or watching on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Uh, give us a rating review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and thanks for joining us on this ride. It's been a good time. Um, Kings are 21 and 18. Is that what it is? I think 21, 21 and 18. 18. Yep. 21 and 18. Uh, they're playing okay. Not great, but uh, still hovering around that 500 mark a little bit over. So uh, for Box 40, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the Kings Pulse podcast. I'm James Hammett, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See you later this week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.